Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of gospel reflection, a ministry of stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Rick Hackman, Rob Longo, and a special guest, Jason Everett. Welcome one and all. Good to be here, David. Hi, David. Awesome, awesome. If everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. We're going to ask Rob to invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts to help us break open the bread of life. All right, I would love to. In the name of the Father, Son, Son, Holy Spirit, Spirit, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the gift of this moment. And uh, you are the God of now, so please, Lord, help us to to free ourselves from, uh, from any distractions from the past, any worry about tomorrow, and just allow you to love us now, in the moment, right now, right here, wherever we are. And I ask you, please, Lord, as we open up the gospel for this coming Sunday, that, that you would open our hearts to receive your love, and then give us the courage to share that love with every single person that we meet, so that when they see us, they see our smile, they see the, the look in our eyes, they, they can feel the love of Jesus and draw them closer to you. And we pray all this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, Father, Son, Son Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rob. And Rick, do you mind giving us a little gospel love today? As David said, the gospel is from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Then they came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him, and with a loud cry, came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Every time I heard the word authority, I kept thinking, you know, do we truly realize that when we are anew in Christ and we say our yes to Christ and we allow Jesus after we get clean in confession and we're all set and ready to receive, we allow Jesus to speak through us. We share in his authority. And when we share, we share his truth, but always with love. And that's what stood out with Jesus because this astonished them. And this was, you know, this was like a new teaching to them because the scribes, although they knew the words of the scriptures, they failed to enflesh them enflesh them with love. So for me, whenever I'm, I'm, I'm called upon to share something, I always go to the Lord and say, Lord, speak through me the words you want me to speak. Let me share what you want me to share and hear what I'm to hear. And then always share truth with love. Never divide them. If you do, you're trying to divide Christ. So for me, the scribes, what were they lacking? Because they knew the scriptures. They need them front and back. They could recite them. But if it's just about words, that's devoid of love. Well, it's devoid of Christ. It's devoid of life. So for me, 
always share truth with love, which means you need to always stay in that common union, that communion with the Lord, so that it's actually Jesus that's speaking through you, you know, his inspirations, his truth. As I read this, um, I think back to, I've been in this synagogue in Capernaum. I've been where there's nothing but rubble now. Uh, because, you know, here they say, oh, his fame spread everywhere. He has authority. They're amazed. You know, they were astonished at his teaching. But you go over to the Gospel of Luke, you know, where the Lord says, uh, you know, and you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down, you know, to Hades because you don't believe. They saw all the signs. They saw the wonders. This was Jesus' hometown. He gave them every sign you could ever imagine. But he, in the, in the end, cursed them because in the end you will not believe and, and nowadays you can go right to this exact synagogue and it is no more than a couple of boulders high because the whole thing has been toppled over and it's just rubble, uh, which is where we, we get left off when we walk away from Christ. He's shown us so many signs, so many wonders, but how easily we forget them. Um, another thing that comes to mind just reading this passage is that so often today these Bible passages are modernized of, well, you know, this is just a mental illness that, you know, back then they didn't really understand that evil spirits is just schizophrenia or bipolar or borderline disorder. It's not really, you know, a demon. But, but you look at this, I mean, there's no mental illness that can help you to identify the Son of God, that upon his sight, who are you? Have you come here to destroy us? And the Gospel of Mark, of all of the Gospels, is rife. I mean, in every chapter, Jesus is coming to cast out the evil spirits from the world. Like, this is his mission, to come destroy and cast down the devil. And it is in literally every single chapter, as you read the Gospel of Mark, exorcism after exorcism. And there's no way to even understand the scriptures apart from the reality of the battle that Jesus came here to claim victory over. That, you know, we want to look at everything and say, well, I can only believe in what I can see. Um, You know, but there's this invisible battle going on between all of our own hearts and heaven and hell. And if we ignore it, we've already lost the battle. And last week's gospel, last Sunday, it was uh, Jesus uh, proclaiming the kingdom and saying, repent and believe. And with every kingdom, there's a king. And he's, a, as you're saying, Jason, he's a warrior king. Mm-hmm. Right? He came to do battle, and it's a spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and if you think of the world, and, and when we fall into the, the pitfalls of, of what the world says is important, mm-hmm. we have a lot of anxiety. Right? We try to, like last week, talks about nets and, and how the apostles let go of their nets and followed him. But we try to keep the stuff in our nets and hold on to the nets. And in and, and the second reading that we'll hear uh, from 1 Corinthians, it starts off, Brothers and sisters, I should like, I should like you to be free of anxieties. Mm-hmm. Ah, take a collective deep breath. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful wish that, mm-hmm. that to be free of anxieties? Yeah. And, and, and when I look back at my life, when I'm most anxious, it's when I'm trying to hold on to yeah. stuff. When mm-hmm. I'm trying to take control, when I'm trying to figure it out all on my own, when I'm when I'm not fully surrendered in the moment, and I'm worrying about tomorrow, or I'm feeling guilty about yesterday, uh, and I end up like that rubble, that mm-hmm. pile of rubble that you're you're talking about. And I'm, and Rob, I'm still stuck on the on the scribes because these men knew the word; they could they could tell it to everybody. But again, Jesus Christ was the word made flesh. He enfleshed the words and he lived them in his everyday life. He was incarnate the Word incarnate, that's each and every one of us. We can't just go to church and hear the words and then not truly live them. And there's a beautiful priest, Father Leo. I love going to 1205 Mass at St. Mary's in in Lancaster. Watch him. He is in love with the Lord. He's in awe and wonder. When the Scripture's read, he's like a little boy sitting there looking at the man reading the words and in love with 
Jesus alive in the Word. I mean, that to me, I don't want to lose the awe. I don't want to lose the wonder. I don't want to be stop being astonished as how God keeps taking us deeper and deeper and deeper into His Word. Why? Because I want to fall in love ever deeper, ever more intimate with my Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. And man, that's a life's journey and an eternity. I think what's interesting, one thing that just came to mind about this, that he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. You know, what's almost sad is the unclean spirits obey Jesus, but we don't. That, <laughs> that in a sense, he's given us the, a freedom above demons to basically—you know, because they praise his authority, but authority is only half the equation. You know, will you submit to the authority? Mm. Now, he doesn't give the demons the option not but to submit to his authority, but he does give that to us that he doesn't impose upon us as he does in the angelic warfare that we're dealing with here. You know, but, you know, who cares if everyone's praising his authority if they refuse to ultimately submit themselves to it? Because anyone can praise him, wow, you clear, you know, cured the blind, healed the deaf, and cast out the demons, but now you, will you, will you drop that and will you follow me? Mm-hmm. You know, that's when you got to put some skin in the game, and that's when we back out. Like John Paul II, when he talked about men and male spirituality, he said to college guys that we men are quite ready to take and conquer in terms of profit and gain, enjoyment and success, and then the moment comes to give, and we hold back because we're not prepared to give. Mm-hmm. And he says this is all the result of the fact that we men do not have a deep enough interior life, because if we had a deep enough interior life, we'd understand that the authority is one of charitable authority, a father who loves us. And if we distrust the source of the authority, then we're going to want to take our life into our own hands instead of trusting that he has a plan for us. You know, when we realize the authority and the power that comes from Christ, it, it is unfathomable what God can do in us, with us, and through us. And there are four Amish men that came to our Gospel Reflection Group and shared their stories that were just God moment after God moment after God moment. And the one Amishman said this, because he just got back from going over to Iraq, going to the mountain above Mosul, four Amishmen, and praying for Mosul, taken up there by armed guards, and the enemy never saw him. He said, David, the Lord gave me a dream. He said, and here's what he told me. If we don't fall prey to the tools of the enemy, fear, unforgiveness, pride, envy, he can't target us. So we were totally, totally trusting the Lord, had no fear. We went by the enemy. They never saw us. We stood on that mountain on September 15th of this year, and we prayed for Mosul. He said, and everybody told us it was impossible. But David, we give the enemy the ability to target us and the fuel when we fall prey to his tools. I thought, man, that is a profound understanding when it comes to spiritual warfare and the reality of that. So when we, Rob, you said the word, when we get anxious, we have anxiety, uh uh-oh, that should be a warning flag to us that says, whoa, 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 Will Robinson, you're falling prey to something. Fear, unforgiveness, pride, envy, jealousy, something is happening. You're falling prey. The enemy has breached your walls. And that's when we need to go back to God and refuel up and, and, and ask God for help. It's so important. So that, that learning lesson that Amish been taught me, man, I, I take that right to heart. It's, it's part of my, my armor for uh, spiritual mm-hmm. warfare. And it, and it just robs us of our joy, yes. joy in the moment when, when we fall prey to that. Mm-hmm. And if we're to be uh, emissaries of the good news, <laughs> let's, yeah. let's look like 
we have some good news to share, right? Mm-hmm. That you know the anxiety just totally binds us and and just it it, it, yeah. it sucks the joy out of us, which is what the evil one wants. He wants yeah. to suck that joy of the moment uh, right right out of us, and so then we you know we're 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 rendered ineffective in spreading the good news. The grim bearers of the glad tidings. Yes. <laughs> wow, that's a good. Uh, one. That is good, and and authority gets a bad rap, you know, mm-hmm. that, uh, especially in, in the United States, and and, and you know. Who, who, who's going to tell me what to do? You know, who's mm-hmm. who, who's who's that person? So, or who's that group? Uh, but what freedom it, it is to, to to submit to that charitable authority, Jason, that you called it, mm-hmm. and uh, and just know that it's it's all for our good. That we don't need to figure it out. We don't yeah. need to. We don't need to figure it out. God has it all figured out. He just wants us to follow the roadmap. Yeah. And uh, it's just it's freedom. It is it is so freeing uh, to to submit. And that I think a, authority. a lot of young people today really struggle with understanding the charitable authority of God the Father because they don't trust the visible authority they've seen in their own fathers. Mm-hmm. That, you know, my dad has hurt me profoundly, or my dad left me, or my dad abused me, or my dad this, or my dad that. And that almost your relationship with God picks up where your relationship with your earthly father left off. And so maybe your dad was a good provider and, a, you know, a good protector, but he wasn't affectionate or affirming. You know, you might have a real easy way. Yeah, I understand God provides for my needs, but does he actually like me? Well, I don't know. It'd it be more difficult to really trust, you know, that the Father loves me in an affectionate way if I haven't seen that from my earthly dad. And so I think a lot of the difficulties people have with understanding God is just because their earthly father, who is supposed to be his icon in their life, you know, failed. And we all fail as dads, but, you know, at the end of our lives, you know, I know we're going to sit on our deathbeds and really think about was I the husband I was supposed to be and was I the dad I was supposed to be? You know, I heard a guy say the other day, did I pull off the dad thing? Mm-hmm. You know, did I get it done? You know, because, you know, the most important things in life are almost always the, the simplest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just watched the sequel to The Ultimate Gift, a uh, movie called The Ultimate Life. I just, we just watched that together uh, with, or I watched it with my, my kids, my five kids, and uh, and it was just really cool. At the moment, it's about a, a guy who had a dream of being a millionaire, mm-hmm. a goal, or a billionaire, B with a B. And uh, he worked. He got married, ended up getting married to four kids, but he worked his tail off for 20 years. Kids didn't know him. He didn't know his kids. They just wanted his money. And the day that he became a billionaire, he was alone. I think it was Christmas, Christmas Day. Christmas Day, yep. And he, he reads it in the newspaper that his company's not worth a billion dollars. And he's like, oh, so I guess I'm a billionaire. And he was alone. No one to celebrate He with. was alone. <laughs> and then his friend you know, needed some help you know, with a health situation, and he did that. And then that's when the aha moment came on of all these gifts, which was you know, the first movie, The Ultimate Gift, where this guy tries to transmit that, these 12 gifts to his grandson. But it, it, you know, it came through that loneliness of achieving your goal at the expense, mm-hmm. at the price of, of, of the family, that uh, you know, the kids were a wreck. Yeah, a friend always tells me that you know, God is calling you to be a saint inside your vocation, not outside of it. And he, and he said a priest really challenged him, you know, don't become a street light only for the light in your house to go dark. Mm. You know, that it's so easy to become canonized outside of your home. Like, hey, I'm a great author, I'm a great speaker, you know, they love me, but like, yeah, what, what do your wife and kids think about you? Yeah. You know, that's really, you know, all God cares about in the end, because it's so easy to do the other stuff, you know, yeah. but to, to love, to forgive, to say I'm sorry, to start over again and again and all these little deaths. You know, if I why, if I why can't do, you do that, why do think that is, Jason? Why why is it so much easier on the outside, and, uh, and then we go into the four walls of our own home, and it's hard? To... Well, yeah. John Paul II said, "Love is a task thrown to us by God. 
it's not something that happens to you. I mean, it's easy to love some stranger. Hey, here's 20 bucks. Here, let me buy you a sandwich. You look hungry. And then he's never in my life again. I'll say a prayer for him and it's done. But, you know, the daily grading of the nerves and the forgiveness of kids and a spouse, you know, another friend of mine calls children the sandpaper of sanctity because they're constantly <laughs> rubbing off those rough edges that aren't going to come off otherwise. You know, because I know as a single guy, I thought, you know, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm pretty patient. You know, I can I can sit here surfing by myself for hours and just wait patiently for the next wave to come in. I'm a very patient man. You know, and then you've got a, the kids waking you up every two hours through the night and peeing on you and all this stuff. It's like, okay, maybe I'm not as patient as I thought. And so, but that's one of the purposes of marriage is to bring your faults up to the surface so they can be sanctified because the whole purpose of marriage isn't your happiness it's your holiness mm. and that's going to bring joy which is beyond happiness but it's it's a rough mm. process as anyone who's married knows well well I'm, i think i'm a poster child for what not to do and then now thank you lord a poster child of what to do because my bc before christ in my life my ordered life which was disordered was number one was self all about me Number two was stuff. I thought I could buy happiness. Number three was my business because I want to be the biggest, most successful businessman. Number four, the children did make a distant fourth, and my spouse made a further behind fifth. God didn't even make my list. And my whole world blew up 10 years ago. And thank you, Lord. He rebuilt me from the ashes. He raised me. And my life today, and I call it the right ordered life. It's A.D. after the death of Dave. And Dave's my name. Uh, God's first in my life. When I wake up in the morning, throughout my day, when I go to bed at night, God's first because it's through that relationship that all other relationships are in right order. So then second to that is my spouse. That's it. That's my number one vocation, second only to God. And then my children. You put children above spouse, that's not right ordered. That's disordered. And then my children because those are God's children who he's entrusted to me to parent with his heart as a father, you know, to guide, to teach the faith to, that I'm going to be held accountable. The Lord's going to say, how'd you do, son, when the children I've entrusted you with? So it's like, wow. So boy, that's the top three. Now let me go to number four. Number four I call ministry opportunities. That's the workplace. That's my church. That's the community. That's ministry opportunities. And number five is self. Got to keep myself healthy and, and you know, you know, and keep keep the vessel God's given me, you know, in good shape and, and make sure I'm checking what goes in, both in my eyes and my ears, and then so that what comes out is pure. And guess what didn't make the list? Stuff. I couldn't buy happiness. I was on a crash course for death, didn't care if I lived or died. So, man, it, today's a new day to any listener whose life is disordered to go to God, get clean in the, in the sacrament of reconciliation, confession, and then get a right-ordered life and watch how God will work and use you to change the world, the world around you and, and the world. Yeah, the, your, your priorities remind me. A friend of mine named Devin Schott wrote a great book for Ignatius Press on the spirituality of St. Joseph for Dads. And he was just telling dads, look, your job, your occupation is nothing but fundraising for your ministry. And your ministry is your marriage and your family. And if you can look at your life that way, okay, my job is just fundraising for my ministry, and my apostolate is my vocation of loving my wife and my kids the way I should. And that's the best thing you can do for the world is just to live your vocation well. And it's, it's so easy to get wrapped up in projects and goals and a, a, a external apostolic activities that, you know, leave us with a great sense of fulfillment. But, if, you know, I could save everybody in the galaxy, but if I haven't revealed the Father's love to my own kids, then it was all for nothing. That's right. I was at a, a friend's friend's mom's funeral 
funeral last week, and uh, the daughter, and she had nine kids, so one of the, the children, one of her daughters gave the, the, the remarks. And she said, uh, she was recalling a story when she was 15 years old, I was whining about something and complaining about something, being you know, you know, a little snippety with, with mom, and, and she stopped me in my tracks. She said, and she says, I have, I have three things that, you know, that, that I have to live for. One is to, for me to get to heaven, and then help your father get to heaven, and then to help all nine of you get to heaven. So, you know, so, so she really was very clear in that. That's it. You know, it's mm-hmm. our relationship with God first. You know, put on your own mask first, right, in, in the airplane. Our relationship with God first. And if we're married, that, you know, we're called to, to die to ourselves for our spouse so they can go to heaven and, and, and then our kids. That's it. Mm-hmm. So if every decision we make has that eternal perspective in what we say, what we do, what we watch, what we, what we allow into our house, the relationships that we encounter, the, you know, the, the way that we... Um, you know, steward the, 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 the resources that God has given us as a family, if it's all ordered to look beyond, you know, with, an eye, with a, our eyes and our hearts focused on heaven, uh, then that, that keeps, us, uh, keeps us focused. Yeah, and I, I think we trust in him. If you, if you look back at the gospel passage, look at the demon says to Jesus, you know, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. I think sometimes we almost speak to God in the same terms, like, what are you coming here to do to me? Mm-hmm. You know, if you come to destroy me, you know, I know who you are, you know, and, and it's just this, this, this fear of, you know, that the demons rightly had, that he had come to bring their destruction, you know, for mm-hmm. the salvation of the world, but, you know, I think a lot of times we bring this into our own spirituality of, God, are you going to take me away from myself? Are you, what are you going to ask of me? But, you know, sainthood isn't about getting shoved into a mold and having your identity ripped away from you. Uh, sainthood is the full bloom of the human personality. It's sin that really robs us of our individuality. Sin takes us away from ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's why a healthy relationship, the closer you get to that other person, the more you become yourself. And when it's an unhealthy relationship, the closer you get to that person, you don't even know who you are anymore. And, you know, I often think if you lined up all the worst sinners in the world, all the drug addicts and prostitutes and murderers and gang members, they're almost like clones. And then if you line up all the saints in the history of the church and you really study their personalities, they're unbelievably radiantly unique. I mean, none are even remotely closer to the other when you really study their lives, which brings a lot of comfort to people Mm. that, look, you don't have to be Mother Teresa. You don't have to be St. Thomas Aquinas. You can't be that God has created you so perfectly unique that your uh, your identity is only going to come to full bloom to the degree you say yes to God. But that yes is only issued if we can begin in trust. But if we can begin in trust, then he hasn't come to destroy us. He's come to give us life so we could have it abundantly. That's exactly what I wrote down, Jason, is life in abundance. I mean, this whole thing of authority, to surrender to the authority of Jesus Christ in my life gives me freedom, gives me peace gives me joy. And and to go to Holy Mother Church when I don't know the answer, and then go to the catechism, look it up, and go, oh, that's why we believe that. That's why we teach that. I don't have to try and play God and decide what the Bible teaches and what it doesn't. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you for leaving us Holy Mother Church that's there to protect us and help us on our journey home to you. So for me, I am so grateful to be Roman Catholic, to have that authority to go to to say, what does this mean? Because if you leave it up to me, I can twist and contort and change and all things in little angles because the me, myself, and I, I still battle that battle. It's still there. 
I think it always will be until that, mm-hmm. that day when uh, the final purification takes place. Yeah, and I think we, we overcomplicate everything with God's will. He's remarkably simple. I mean, just last uh, a month or two ago, my wife and I got in some disagreement, and I don't remember what the details of it were, but I remember going to prayer that night and just wrestling with God, like, God, you know, am I right here, you know, or is she right? I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm right, God, but, you know, if she's right, then I'll admit I'm wrong, but, like, really, come on, like, am I right or is she right? And, I, you know, I don't hear God's voice, but it's like I heard him saying, you know, it doesn't matter, just love, which was a really disappointing answer because I wanted to know if I was right. And I'm like, okay, God, I'll love, but, you know, I'm right, right? Uh, you know, but but it, we just get so wrapped up and and stuff we don't need to be when God says, look, just, just the answer is to love. You know, love me, love your family, trust me, and and trust the mother that I've given you in the church. And if we do that, then we can have life and have it abundantly. But no matter how we try to grasp and build and plot and plan for ourselves, you know, you know, Psalm 127 says, unless the, the master of the house is the one who builds it, those who labor do so in vain. Mm-hmm. You know, it is vain for you to put off your rest at night to earn your bread earned in hard toil. God give this to his beloved in their sleep. So everything you can try to build is just going to crumble, and he will build everything for you while you're sleeping if you're in his will. You know, and that's what, that pauses a, or poses a good question. Why do I go to church? I would have told you I went to church because of what I was supposed to do, because I had to, because that made me look better and feel better. But the real reason, why do I go to church now? It's because I love God, mm-hmm. and I want to worship Him, and I want to thank Him, and I never want to take Him for granted. And when you get to that point and God keeps drawing you closer into His heart, oh my goodness, it's a holy desire to go every day. It is like, I can't wait to get there. And when you don't get to go a day at daily mass, you have an ache. There's something missing because there's someone missing on the journey that day. My kids are always, Dad, do we have to go to church today? And I say, no, we don't. We get to go to church today. (laughs) I try to reroute their heart. Like, this isn't some, you know, ethical obligation, which it is in the commandments, but it's a gift. Like, if you knew what it was there waiting for you, I mean, you'd crawl 10 miles over hot coals to get there. It's just we don't understand the gift that's waiting for us. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I know in my own personality and temperament, you know, I can enter into utilitarian relationships with people. Well, this person does that task for me, and this person does that for me, and I do this for that, and it loses the personal element. And we can even take that into our spirituality, where we take a utilitarian attitude with God. Well, I come to Him when I need something answered, or I need His help, or I need to prepare this, but then we don't have that time just to be with Him. But, you know, like Dave said, you know, when you enter into that love, the whole point is just to be in the presence of the one you love. Awesome. Well, thank you, one and all. God bless. Bye-bye. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups, or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make reflections from the heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717 367 
On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.